Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to Four to Six with A and B, your high state podcast, brought to you by the Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by Papa Ari. Ari, how's Dad life, buddy? I uh, I'm doing okay. The thing that's funny about Dad life is that taking care of the infant is the easy part. You feed her, <laughs> you change her diaper, you let her get cleaned up. She naps three hour increments. It's the same thing over and over again. Three hour nap, feed. Clean her up, change diaper, new clothes, nap. It's all the other crap that you have to do during that three hours that's terrible. And then also, in the middle of the night, the every three hours thing is kind of a, a rough go of it. So we've had her, uh, Britt's mother here. She's been a tremendous help. Um, we've, we've got a little shift system going right now. The baby's in the middle of a nap right now, so we get the podcast in. But... I'll say a few days after she was born, I was in a hospital room and I was watching football for 13 straight hours because we had, all we had to do was just chill with the baby and let mom recover. And, you know, I was, I was so deep in that Rutgers game. (laughs) I wasn't tweeting, but I was, I was very aware of it. So I'm very excited to, to, to talk about it. And I, I had a little FOMO when I was listening to you and Max and I was supposed to be on the show then. And I had to bail at the last second, believe it or not. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that that won't happen again. So thanks for bearing with me on my schedule. And, you know, I, I'm very excited to see where this team goes and where this podcast goes. Because, buddy, I, like, left as a non-father. And now I came back to the uh, to being a father and talking about the most talented division in college football. What the <laughs> hell is going on here? <laughs> There's five teams ranked in the top 11 in the Big Ten right now, and four of them are in the Big Ten East. Is that four right? Four of them are in the East. That's right. That's right. Okay, can I just ask you a question right off the bat? How yeah. many of those teams are trash? Like, like, let's just be honest. Like, is Secret is Michigan trash, yeah. State not trash? Like, I mean, okay, top 40 maybe, but they're not a top 10 team, are they? 
No, I don't think I don't think Michigan State or Michigan are top ten teams. I think Penn State might be. Um, I think Iowa it probably is because that defense is pretty good. Um, but no, I you know it's the way the schedule broke out. They haven't lost. Someone's got to be ranked somewhere. Like I get I get yeah. why they're ranked that highly, but I don't. And I tried to ask Max that the other day. Like I don't I don't look at the Big Ten East and think, oh, Murderers Row, toughest division in college football. But the rankings will tell you that it is. So and it's the Ohio State's benefit that it looks that way right now because I don't think they're going to lose any of those teams. Yes, yes. But, so like the thing about it is. And I and I I'm very curious to get into how I feel about Rutgers because I know that I'm sure that the listeners were more than content without me there, but like I want to go on record, like I think this team is going to figure it out now, and like I don't know I always yeah. say like oh my god they're going to play a bunch of crappy teams I'm not going to fall into the trap again and then I fall back into the trap, but Here we are. if you listen I know they're deeply flawed I think they're very very much worse than Alabama Georgia right now, but the way that the season is setting up. Now, Oregon lost their best player, so if they lose again, or lose, and their season goes in the tank, you can say, well, they lost Verdell. There's a built-in excuse there for you know defending the quality of loss that that was. And then you have a potential to, what, win four games, maybe five against teams that are ranked in the top 15 between now and then, and none of them are particularly good. Like, when you think about the way that Ohio State's schedule sets up, they're in a very good position if they take care of business and figure out what the hell's going on with their defense and then getting some confidence for their quarterback and, and letting things ride to be a very, very uh, likable team at the end of the year resume-wise. So I'm very curious, and I'm, I'm actually curious to hear what you have to say about this, but you you basically just, you're out on Michigan. Was that because of of what happened with Rutgers and Ohio state or like where you, you're like, they're yeah, not a top a 10 bit. team. Like you're, you're, you're in a situation where Penn state's in Iowa's in, but Michigan is firmly out. Yeah. Like I, I think, I think two things and maybe they sound counterproductive. Like I think Michigan is better than I thought it would be this year. And I do think that Jim Harbaugh has done a good job of turning that around and getting it going in a positive direction. Um, but I, I still don't look at that team and see a top 10 team. Um, Cause I have, I mean, they haven't really played anybody yet. Like, like they beat a bad Washington team. They beat what is a bad Wisconsin team this year. And I give them credit for like vanquishing some demons there against Wisconsin. But is it the wins? Is it the wins or is it the look? No, it, well, it's both. It's both. Like I'm not. I'm not. Again, you got to rank a team somewhere, and Michigan hasn't lost. So like I get it. I'm not saying they don't deserve to be where they are right now, but I'm talking about like, do I look In at a team heart. and like, do they, do they do they look to me like a top ten team? No, they don't. Um but I still think they're pretty good. I think they're I think they're probably at worst like a top twenty team, somewhere between ten and twenty probably, maybe twenty five. Um, certainly worthy of being ranked, and I think they'll be there the rest of the year. But I don't know. I've seen I've seen what a top ten Michigan team looks like, and we saw one in twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. This, this 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 is not that, and I still think it's a team that's pretty limited offensively. Yeah, yeah. I just who are the undeniable playoff teams right now? You've got two, and that's it, right? Yep. And I think Ohio State is trending that direction as, as good as you can feel about that when they've really only played Rutgers. Okay, how about I ask it this way? Because, like, listen, circumstance and context is just as important as personal growth and development, I think, in this scenario. Because when you're a one-loss team that early in the season, you need the narrative and the way people view you to change as you continue on into October and November. And I think that's going to continue to happen because Ohio State's going to get clout Fake good wins, but that you get clout with those fake good wins, right? I don't think they're fake good wins. I don't, I, I wouldn't go to say I wouldn't go that. Like I don't think any of these teams are bad teams. 
I think Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State are all good. When I say that, that you will get you will get more credit maybe than you should because of the number next to their name, but they're still good teams. No, I'm not trying to say that. I think fake good wins. Thank you for clarifying that for me. I mean, they're going to get top ten credit against teams that aren't actually top ten teams. Yeah. So but that happens all the time. Yeah, it happens all the time, but not four times in a year. Usually, Ohio State schedule is just like okay, big non conference game, and then wake me up at the Michigan game or the Penn mm-hmm. State game in late October, and then that's it. Like. Nebraska all of a sudden's playing well and like actually might beat yeah. Michigan on Saturday if you like read between the lines of that spread. Um it's an interesting game. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen there like last week when Michigan was a 2-point dog against Wisconsin, I was just like where's our baby's birth certificate so I can fax it into my bookie. <laughs> like that made no sense to me cuz you're talking about a Wisconsin team that what averages like 9 points in conference play the last two years. Just totally broken. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like this game I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. What's the spread? Three. Three. I, I don't Michigan's really laying three. They're favored by a, three points. In, in Lincoln? Yes. Yeah. Nebraska, Nebraska. I think I said this on the, on the thing with Max the other day, like Nebraska's underlying numbers would make you think that their record should be much better than it is right now. And I thought they were going to go in the tank. They have not. Um, Plus Michigan's one-dimensional offense. Yep. No, I think, I think the – the ceiling gets raised there if they put J.J. McCarthy in, and it seems like they're leaving that door open a little bit. I don't know. Like, they're putting them, in, putting them in the game. So I don't know. But as long as K. McNamara is the quarterback there, I think that offense, like you said, is, is pretty one Yeah, I mean, losing Ronnie Bell, too, was a pretty big loss. I mean, that guy it was a stud. Was. So, yeah, you yeah. know, I'm very excited. I I am rooting for the Big Ten East. Am I, I think it's to say very that? Fun. It's fun. I just, yeah, yeah, I just no, want I think, it to be fun. I'm glad that the big the Big Ten East is fun and interesting at a time where Ohio State is like trying to figure some stuff out and is maybe less vulnerable than I thought they were two weeks ago, but I think is still vulnerable because they're still, you know, they've made not insignificant changes to their defense and have yet to play a good offensive opponent since doing that. If you're, so I still think that's up in the air. If you're an Ohio State fan, what would you rather have? Super entertaining games against Penn State, Michigan, and maybe Michigan State. I don't know if the schedule is going to allow that to happen because they play each other before they play Ohio State. Or would you rather the Big Ten East just go back to being what we thought it was and then Iowa being badass and awesome at the end of the year in the Big Ten championship game? Mm. Like, I guess what would you rather watch as a sports fan and what do you think would be better for Ohio State's playoff resume? I think it's better for Ohio State's playoff resume to play nationally relevant games, and they're going to. You don't so, think that it's I think it, nationally relevant or more nationally relevant to beat a team that controls its own destiny in the final week of the season to get into the playoff like Iowa would in that scenario? Uh, no, I think uh, – I, I, I would have combined it all into one thing, I guess. I don't. You, you mean, would you rather saying, just like, skate would you like, like normally do it and, and not play the game that matters until the very end? I'm saying, like, would you rather Nebraska beat Michigan and Iowa beat Penn State – and Michigan and Michigan State knock each other out, and Penn State and Michigan knock each other out, and then like have a bunch of oh, pretty solid teams, I, but nothing great. And then at the end of the year, you have an Iowa team that people view as a potential national championship contender, and then beat them. Or would you rather like Penn State beat Iowa and set up a solid game in the middle of October, at the end of October? Michigan have one or two losses at most at the end of the year. Michigan State being viewed as a pretty good team, then and, and then facing a team with one or two losses at the end of the season. I'm not so sure like all those common opponent games matter like and Ohio State plays Nebraska too, so I guess they're a common opponent, but um 
I guess you want Michigan to beat Nebraska because I like Nebraska. Ultimately, I just don't think is going to end up being a ranked team. Maybe better, but they're not going to be a team that's part of the national conversation. But if like Michigan State and Michigan and Penn State, obviously you're like beat up on each other, but they all kind of look the same and competitive in that. Like I don't really think that matters all that much. I, th- I just think you need people to believe that those are good teams. And right now, people believe that those are good teams, and I believe they're good teams too. I just don't know if like Michigan State is actually the number eleven team. In the well, it's actually possible that they are, and the rest of the team, the country just sucks. It's like, that's also possible, yeah. Like, and I was pretty out on Michigan enough. State. I, I, I've already been wrong on Michigan State because I was very out on them coming into the year because I just didn't think that Mel Tucker had up the talent level on that roster in, in the way that he clearly has. So through the portal, um, too. I'm, like, and that's through the portal, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the thing too about that is what Mel Tucker did. What we thought was this was the Mark D'Antonio strategy: developmental guys, three, four years, every three, four year cycle. You're really, really good, but like he. I think you can make the case that Mel Tucker is the poster child for how the portal is going to change the sport. Yeah, I think it's you're like right. I don't know how Kenneth Walker just fell out of the sky. That guy was aw- this guy is awesome. He's very. He's. I was gonna. I was about to say he's the best running back in the Big Ten, but he's not because Trevion Henderson. Second best running the, back in the. He's Big the Ten. second best running back in the Big Ten. So let me. Ask, so I know we got to talk about Ohio State here, but this is just like this is fun for me because like I I mean, dude, this season is really fun. This season's great. This season it has it has like two thousand seven ish vibes, I think. Um, but it's mostly fun because I like the Big Ten is interesting. And if you would have asked me in July, does two thousand seven ever going to happen again? I would have said no. Yeah, because like I thought that everything that was happening at the top of the sport, like especially if Texas beats Oklahoma this weekend, which is a distinct possibility, then you have a you have a, another conference that's potentially eliminated. I mean, you have you have right now the way the season's setting up the potential that the Big Ten and the SEC both could get two teams in, and that'd be the end of it. And more more disrespect to the Bearcats, man. It's unbelievable. Well, I actually believe that if a year, if there's ever going to be a year where a Group of Five team gets in, that Cincinnati, this is it. But I yeah. think that you might get into, and this is listen, this what is October seventh. There's a lot of football to be played, but I think. If you're not paying close attention to BYU, yeah. If they're both undefeated at the end of the year and they don't play each other, I think it would be like we can't choose between these two. Let's just go all power five again. You're gonna have a <laughs> we can't, yeah. you're gonna have we a TCU a TCU Baylor yeah. scenario again. <laughs> Seriously, because like if you go look at their yeah. schedules, like Cincinnati has some top heavy wins because they beat Indiana, but Indiana's dog crap now, and, and Notre, Notre Dame, Dame is not very, not good, very good, and I think are gonna lose to Virginia Tech on Saturday, and those those wins as like you would think if I would have said before the end of the year, if Cincinnati beats both Indiana and Notre Dame, which you'll fondly remember I predicted. And I yeah. don't think I'm smart. I just think that it was just like they're really good. Um, that that would be enough to open the conversation. Add that into the fact that Clemson's not even going to win the ACC maybe. And the Pac-12 is the Pac-12 and Oklahoma looks bad. It's like, okay, well, what else do you need in that scenario? For But go look at BYU's schedule, dude. They play a Power 5 schedule this year. I think they've got yeah. seven power five teams on their on their on their schedule, and none of them are are very good. But they close that they, they opened up the season with three Pac twelve wins in a row, uh, including I believe Arizona State, which is a very good football team right now, apparently. And they end on the road at USC, like that's an undefeated power five team. If you are to compare those two resumes, assuming that Cincinnati wins out and BYU finishes undefeated, it's just like how do you pick between those two things? Do you do you prefer the team that has the two sexier wins? 
Hell, I don't think that beating Indiana is sexier than beating Arizona State. So do you take the Notre Dame win, and that's the thing that props up your discussion about it, or do you go with the team that's played seven Power 5 opponents? Yeah, BYU, I don't know how we got to talk about BYU, but yeah, they've they've beaten three Pac-12 teams, UCF, Utah State. They play Boise this weekend. They play Baylor after that. Um, play uh, Virginia and play USC, as you mentioned. They at beat the end Utah, of the year. didn't they? They beat Utah. They beat Utah yeah. when Utah Utah was ranked at the time, yeah. So um, and Arizona State was ranked when, and I think Arizona State's still ranked. Um, yeah, that's a good point. It would kind of suck for if you're Cincinnati to like do like finally do the thing that like the committee has been asking the a G five team to do since the playoffs started, and they go out and they they play Power Five teams and they beat them. They're clearly better than them, and then at the end of the year they're like, oh yeah, but those Power Five teams weren't good enough. I think Cincinnati were going to be only good, but they hope good. to making the playoff this year because like last year I said I'm not doing this shit again. We're we're, we're we're talking about group of five teams and making the playoff, and it's just like Notre Dame loses two more times, I'm done. Like that's the thing. Like Cincinnati's playoff resume right now is strong because they're coming off of a win at Notre Dame. But if Notre Dame loses to Virginia Tech on Saturday, it's like it lasted a week, right? Like Cincinnati needs Notre Dame to be awesome. So, okay, let's get back to Ohio State. All right, I'm sorry about that. I'm just excited. I'm amped up. No, no, it's okay. I think it's interesting. But one other thing I wanted to say. I want to get you on on the record here. Look at me in my eyes. Iowa by 15 this weekend. Iowa by 15? I mean, I, I'm not going to change the spread. The spread's three, I think. I think Iowa covers that easily. I can get behind Iowa winning that game, certainly. It's in Iowa City. Penn State hasn't beaten a top-ten team on the since road since the, Nixon, since the Nixon <laughs> okay. administration. Yeah. Uh, it just seems like a wide margin to me. I think it's a very tight game. Yeah. It, to, to, me, to me, it feels like a tight game that Penn State is in position to win, and then the James Franklin uh, late game clock management ma- magic strikes and Iowa somehow gets the ball back when it shouldn't have it. And that's how Iowa wins. 2016 final score. Ohio state or the year that Penn state won the big 10 East loss at number four, Michigan 49 to 10 2017 loss at number six, Ohio state and loss to number 24, Michigan state in consecutive weeks, 2018 loss at Ohio state. Number four, Loss at number five, Michigan, forty-two to seven in November. A few weeks later, two thousand nineteen, they lost uh, that Minnesota game in November when they needed a win, and Minnesota yeah. was undefeated. And then lost two weeks later on the road to Ohio State, who was number two at the time. Twenty twenty, they lost half their schedule, and it's just like they can't win that. Game. They haven't won that game, that uh, that marquee road Big Ten matchup. I don't think one time, unless I'm forgetting something earlier on in the James Franklin era, once. And like now Iowa's yeah. Iowa's defense is actually badass. And now we think that Sean Clifford's turned this thing around. The only thing that I could say about Penn State off the top of my head that would give me an advantage in their mind is that they're the only team that has a receiver that can get behind a defense. Like Jahan Dotson is really, really, really good. But I think Iowa's defense is like bona fide awesome. And I don't think Penn State's going on the road and beating anybody with a bona fide awesome defense. I think it's fair. I think it's all fair. Um the mar- it's the margin for me. If you want to say you believe in your heart, I think they're going to cover 100%. You know how I, I, I've got a. Even that, but even that, I mean, a, a cover I can get behind too, it's only three points, but a two a two touchdown win for either team, I just don't see happening. Yeah. I, I don't think either team is built. Unless Sean Clifford pulls a Talia Tungavailo and throws Iowa the ball five times, then 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 I'll, I'll get behind that. But Also, Maryland um, played the worst. That was the first college football game my newborn baby witnessed. <laughs> <laughs> and she wanted to go back in the womb. She's like, put me back in. 
put me back in. (laughs) (laughs) Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, so let me ask you, Bill, where are you at? Because uh, it's been over a week since we've talked. Are you completely back in on Ohio State's ability to reassert itself as a national championship contender? Like, do you think they've got the personnel and the scheme together, you know, to be in that position? Or are we still beat uh, beat Penn State and we'll talk about it? I'm pretty well back in. I don't know if I'm all the way back in, like, because I'm just a little hesitant because of, because of Akron and, and Rutgers, but... I do think that this coaching staff has figured out this roster, and I think that was a little easier with the offense, just like kind of let them go do their thing. Um, and I think we're starting to see that. I thought I thought the offense we saw against Rutgers was tailored much more to C.J. Stroud's strengths, and the defense um, has like changed rather dramatically. Like they they went from a single high cover three, cover one defense to like a. A, a heavy dose of too high cover two stuff, and like it almost feels like that's their base defense now, and they're blitzing a lot more, and it seems guys are me, settling in the roles. Like I think, I think they're figuring it out. You're Mister X's and O's. It seems to me like they've changed from like skim milk and went to two percent. Like it's not that drastic of a change, but it feels drastic. Yeah, it's, it's still milk. Yeah, like <laughs> really? th- th- it's not like they had Bill Nye the Science Guy in there trying to figure out what to do. It was yes. a very rudimentary change. It seems like correct, but then yeah, it yeah, makes yeah. me even more concerned that they needed to lose to identify that problem when that was the fix all along. And then, and then when you start yes. putting yourself Fair. in that position, then it's just like, well, then how confident are you in this coaches to recognize that there's another issue down the road? Because to me, making a fix is, is super important for a coaching staff. It's absolutely imperative to be able to identify your weaknesses and then do something to make them less weakness worthy. Yeah. But then there's also the other side of the coin of just like, how did we get to this point? And then at that point, if you allow yourself to think, well, how do we get to this point? Then it's just like, well, what the hell is under the hood that we're not seeing now? And that's how I think about yeah. it. Maybe not something that's going to be exposed until they play a really good team. Um, but like, I think that the ceiling for this football team is making the playoff. I don't think that they have a higher ceiling than that. I think they're very good. I think their offense can score with anybody, maybe the best offense in college football. I do not think that this defense will ever be able to beat Alabama. See, I, so I don't – Georgia, to me, I think would be a little more concerning. I, we don't have to break down the, the, the thing. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't know. Alabama, to me, seems a little bit gettable, although I did say they were losing to Ole Miss and then they blew Ole Miss's doors off. Um, Georgia's defense is like the best thing I've seen since I've been watching college football and I'm 32 years old. So, like, that is scary to me. Alabama's a little less scary to me. But either way, I think you're right. Um, I still think the ceiling – the ceiling is 
more or less the same as I thought it was after the Oregon loss, and that is they can still make the college football playoff. Um, I think how that looks on the road there is going to look probably substantially better than I thought it could look coming off the Oregon game. And that is to say, like, I don't think that this defense is just going to be a defense that gives up explosive play after explosive play after explosive play and, like, can't pull its head out of its own ass once a team does something twice and beat, like, beat them, beats them with the same thing over and over again. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. So I got a newsflash uh, for you, though, bud. What? Oregon blows. So... I just I, yeah, I don't know if that's, that's, a, not, if that's like a harsh way of saying it, but like we were saying on this podcast since the day Ohio State lost that game that Oregon will lose, and it's like did you see that game? It's like their quarterback isn't very good. Um, yeah, but their quarterback also what like did, Ohio State didn't lose to Oregon because Anthony Brown was like slicing them up. Ohio State lost to Oregon because Oregon ran the same play four times and scored on two. I, of I know, them. I'm just saying like <laughs> at a certain point you got to start analyzing how it's even possible to lose. To a team that's not very good. It's not like they lost the, a heavyweight battle with another team that's going to be in the play. They lost to a marginal Pac-12 team. No, Oregon's better than that. You're wrong on that. I don't think Oregon was ever a, a, a championship caliber team, but Oregon doesn't suck. I think they're they're a two or three loss team in the Pac-12. I don't. If they keep losing guys, then they probably will become that because they keep losing guys every week. They've like lost, I think, like four starters since they played Ohio State. Um, so maybe that happens, but I don't. I don't. I'm think just saying, like the, the team that came Oregon into Ohio Stadium, making that to be the team that came into Ohio Stadium and beat Ohio State is not a team that's good enough. That a team that should be good enough to come close to beating that team. Like that was a major coaching mal, like malpractice in that game. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. But but coaching malpractice, I feel like should be analyze a little differently than like just matching up man for man like Ohio it's not, I don't think Ohio State is suffering from a tremendous talent deficit that should make you nervous moving forward I think they had clear coaching issues to get past and I'm not saying they've gotten past them already but I think there have been promising steps taken in the, the right talent isn't what scares weeks. me Bill what scares me is that you have a coaching staff that is susceptible to getting its butt kicked with X's and O's against a team that is lacking tr- tremendously in talent in comparison to Ohio State and then putting them on the same field as teams that are very, very good later on down the line when you think something is fixed and then, oh, my God, here we go again, which is definitely going to happen if they play Alabama or Georgia, I think. Now, Yeah, I mean, that could happen when they play Alabama or Georgia, but I don't look at any team they have left to play on their schedule and think that there's a team that is a significant step up offensively from what Oregon was. I think they're basically the same do you think ohio state is going to be um undefeated from here on out or would you take 0.5 losses over i think they're undefeated from here on out because like i don't know if i'm 100 percent with you on that i'm not saying you're wrong i don't know that i'm confident in saying that the only honestly the only when i look ahead the only thing that gives me pause is, is the potential matchup against iowa's defense in the in the big 10 championship and if that defense is as good as we think it is and can hold ohio state to under like 35 points and then if they can then then maybe that game gets a little sweaty but i don't i just don't look at michigan michigan state and penn state and think like those teams are going to get ohio state i just don't think they're built for it i don't think they're built to score enough to do it even if ohio state's defense but Oregon is, is- no, no, Oregon's not. But Ohio State's defense is like I, drastically different from when it yeah. was in the Oregon. They're playing a totally different style of defense right now. So what you're saying is uh, lay the points this weekend? Well, I want to get to that. Okay, let's uh, get to it. Yeah. I fired you up a little bit. Did you miss me? Yeah, of course I missed you. I missed you too, bud. Uh, 
I think I wrote a mailbag that went up on Thursday where I said that like I was kind of curious about this matchup with Maryland because I think Maryland might be built to expose Ohio State's defense if in fact it's not fixed. But I think like that might not be true. Hey, can I uh, pivot on you before we get to it? Because we're only 25 minutes in. I thought your story was really good about Ryan Day, and I didn't finish the Max podcast. But did you talk about that yet? The, the quarterback, quarterback story. No, no, we didn't talk. Let's about talk that, about no. that for a second because it was really, really good, and I think it's interesting to people. And considering the fact that we had a quarterback, uh, maybe a made-up one, but we had a quarterback controversy two weeks ago, mm-hmm. why don't you go ahead and take them through it? And if you're not subscribed to the Athletic, I encourage you to do that. Bill's story was one-on-one with Ryan Day discussing his his philosophy on recruiting the quarterback position, and I thought it was really good, really well done. Thanks. Yeah, I, don't, I guess I don't want to give away too much of what Ryan Day said because I would want people to go read it at theathletic.com slash 4 six and get subscribed and go find the story. But, um, you know, Ohio, I went and looked it up. Like, Ohio State has signed three of the 15 highest-rated quarterbacks in the last three recruiting classes, C.J. Stroud, Kyle McCord, and Quinn Ewers. I think everyone's aware of that. And I just had to sit down with Ryan Day about why he chooses to go about it that way and not do the every-other-year thing that, like, Clemson does, that Oklahoma does. There's really no other team that kind of does it Ohio State's way. I think Alabama has come close to doing that. I think Texas A&M is attempting to do that. But even if you go beyond sort of who, which guys' programs have landed thus far and look ahead to what they're doing in the future – I still think Ohio State does it differently because they had all these guys in the program and they still took a swing at Drew Aller. And they're still going after a guy like Dylan Lonergan, who's a top 100 quarterback in the class of 2023 and some other highly rated guys in that class. And they're like all over Jaden Davis, who's the top player in the class of 2024. Like they are not altering their quarterback recruiting plan in any way whatsoever, despite the fact that they have three five-star prospects on the roster already. And it's just like, it kind of blows my mind a little bit that they recruit that position that aggressively. And I don't, I just don't think anybody does it that way. So um, I didn't have a ton of time with Ryan day. I had like 15 minutes with him, and five of it were spent talking about some other stuff, but I felt like we did get um, a little deep into why he does it that way. And I thought it was really enlightening conversation with Ryan day. And, and the gist of it was like, you just can't be certain. And he and he said at the NFL, he said teams draft quarterbacks in the first round all the time, and they're wrong a lot. And he just doesn't want to leave Ohio State in a position where if he's wrong with the guys he's recruiting at the most important position, that, that Ohio State would be negatively impacted by that. And he didn't say this directly, but as I was going back through the interview, like I thought of Clemson and their every other year approach. And I was like, Trevor Lawrence was a stud. Deshaun Watson was a stud. DJ Uwe might not be a stud. He doesn't look like one right now, and Clemson's suffering uh, part because of that. Their offense is terrible. And and I think that's the kind of thing that, that worries Ryan Day is is if he goes every other year and the guy that he has step into the spot after the previous starter leaves just isn't ready, you're kind of screwed. And you can't be screwed when, when the expectation is win a national championship. So there's more to it than that. I encourage you to go read the story. But I did enjoy getting you know five to eight minutes with Ryan Day to talk about that a little bit in depth. Can I make a leap here and you tell me if you think I'm crazy? Absolutely. Did Ryan Day just say stars matter? He certainly said stars matter. I think Ryan Day is is a true believer in the stars matter mantra. Because the philosophy, while I agree with it, also is a deep implication that if you recruit a three-star prospect, you can't make up for being wrong with the five-star. Yeah. Because the idea that we've we've talked about when it came to recruiting quarterbacks was you just don't take two five-stars consecutively, but you still could take a top 400 quarterback that still might be very good. Yeah, just so you have like a warm body in your quarterback room. A warm, <laughs> no, but a warm body that actually might be able to produce one day. Yeah, like a Joe Burrow. Yeah, Joe Burrow yeah. was not quite that low, but 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 Joe Burrow is a good example because he wasn't yeah. a five star quarterback. He was a four star, 
from Ohio, but like just because you're recruiting only five-star quarterbacks or top 100 players doesn't mean that you can't still recruit really good players every single year. They just don't fit the same megastar system, you know? Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like I heard when I read your story as if he's not a top 100 player, then we're they're going to miss and we need to get as many top 100 players in here as possible because we don't want to be wrong. So I thought it was a really good story. I thought the way you wrote it was really interesting. You let him, you let him speak. And I think that anybody who is subscribed to The Athletic should read that. And if you're not, you should first read, rate, and review how happy you are that I'm back on the show. Because <laughs> we could use all the ratings and reviews as we can, but also subscribe to The Athletic and go read that. So now on to Maryland. Okay, I got a stat for you here. Hit me with it. Talia Tungavailoa. I know the stat. I saw it on Twitter. Maryland's, Maryland's quarterback <laughs> has made nine career starts. Oh, that's not the stat. Uh Six of them, or sorry, yeah, six of them were what I would consider bad teams. Three of them have been against what I would consider good teams. Against the bad teams, again, six games, Talia has completed 74% of his passes for over 2,000 yards, almost nine, or excuse me, almost 10 yards per attempt, 15 touchdowns, and two interceptions. He's been incredible against the bad teams. Against the good teams, which are Northwestern last year, Indiana last year, and Iowa last week. He is completing 52% of his passes for less than 500 yards, fewer than 500 yards, uh, five yards per attempt, three touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. Well, I mean, that stat is certainly, like, lopsided based on what happened on Friday. I mean, didn't he throw – how many picks did he throw on Friday night alone? He threw five. I saw a stat on the internet during the game. I think I might have texted it to you in the middle of the game. Didn't he, like, come in with the fewest interceptions in the country and then, like, when the game was over, he had the most or something? Yeah, I thought – I said that to Max earlier in the week because I thought I saw him that tweeted out. But it was, like, uh, something like uh, only two quarterbacks had had fewer interceptions than Talia coming into the Iowa game. And then, like, uh, he had more than, like, 125 quarterbacks after the game or something like that. It, it was I will say – than I just put it. It – took me back to when you and I were in Iowa and we were at the casino and you bet on Maryland against yeah. Penn State and it was like 65 to nothing or something crazy. The night I hit my only royal flush in, in uh, video poker, mind, mind you. That was great. Sitting at the bar next to you, that royal flush comes up. I was very happy. Dude, I hit the royal flush without deuces, without having to hold any cards. Yeah, it was pretty wild. I, was, I thought there was like a, like a glitch in the, in the machine there. They were like, yeah. no, you can't. You don't win this. Easy 12, easiest 1200 bucks ever won in my life. <laughs> I just felt like a jackass or playing quarters instead of dollars. But um, maybe it's just that they don't play well with expectations, which is your mantra. I used what you texted me earlier. But it's just like, I can't figure out, does Maryland suck ass? Or do they just like, are they just inconsistent? Because I will say, and again. They're certainly inconsistent. Prone to hyperbolic statements. I know that that's how I am. And partially because I fell into the Maryland trap financially. Mm-hmm. Because that line made zero sense. Yeah. And like I was like, I should just bet everything I have on Iowa, and I can't tell you how many times I've lost games because of lines that don't make sense. So I thought... I bet Iowa. I, I, was, in, I was in New Jersey where you bet Iowa? sports betting apps. Yeah, and, and I, took, I took the booster on DraftKings that gave me up to Iowa plus 8.5. I was like, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, oh, okay. Well, I thought that the line... <laughs> or minus 8.5. The line so. made so little sense that I bet against Iowa... Because I thought it didn't make any sense and Vegas knew something that I didn't know. That didn't work out that way, obviously. 
I will say that, yes, Iowa beat the crap out of Maryland. But I don't think I've seen a team play worse for four quarters of my entire life. And, like, I actually made a joke to to Britt when she was laying in the hospital bed next to me, recovering from giving birth. And I said, do you think this is a health hazard for our baby? And, like, she did, she wasn't even paying attention. She doesn't know what's going on. But I'm just like, this is embarrassing. Yeah. Personal they, uh... foul penalties, turnovers, false starts, dumbass play calling. Like, the entire gamut of what could go wrong for a team, I think, went wrong for them. And it didn't – it was unrelenting. Yeah. I didn't watch second half because I didn't really feel the need. Because you were counting your money? I didn't really feel the need to. Um, Tal Leah had no idea what he was looking at. I don't, I don't know what. It wasn't like, oh, man, bad luck. It was like that dude didn't like had looked like he never played football before. I couldn't believe some of the passes he was attempting that were getting picked off. Um, and he does that when they play good defenses. So I don't know if Ohio State's defense is good, but uh, I don't think they're terrible. And I wonder if Telly is just going to throw Ohio State the ball a bunch and Ohio State's going to cover this 20 so, and a half point spread rather easily. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I like keying in on some of the things that you say in passing. Did you think they were terrible when they were playing Tulsa? No. Defense? I didn't think they were terrible when they were playing Tulsa. I think they were like mid mid semi significant transition against Tulsa, so like I almost don't really care. Okay, and, how about like, this? Do you think they were terrible bit. against it? Was there ever a point in time this year where you thought Ohio State's defense was terrible? Uh yeah, against Oregon. So what is it that has made you change your mind then? Would you say it's more personnel-based, or would you say that it's more uh, schematically-based? It's definitely a mix of both, but probably more schematically-based. But So then with the personnel, because we already discussed the schematics of it, but what is it about the personnel then that you that has you? Less, ro- less rotating. Um, I think putting guys in uh, – oh, yeah, le- le- just less rotating. Like not 
not playing guys who like clearly aren't ready to be out there, or or maybe it's that guys who were out there and looked lost in the first two games are like starting to settle into some stuff. But but I think it's a little more of of the former there. Like I think of like Cameron Martinez not playing at all, and then all of a sudden he's your starting cover safety after you get your doors blown or not your doors blown off by Oregon, but lose to Oregon. Like they made a they made a personnel decision there to play Cameron Martinez moving forward. Um, I think you've seen more of Cody Simon and Taraja Mitchell, like the guys we thought were their best linebackers. I think you're seeing them more and more. Um, Corner's weird because Cameron Brown's injury, but like we don't see Legend Cavazos out there. Like just a guy who clearly was not ready to, to be playing early on in the season. He's just like not part of the deal anymore. Uh, he doesn't play unless the game's out of hand. So I think I think they've pared down the rotations a little bit and have guys in better positions to be successful. For instance, like not sticking Bryson Shaw in the middle of the field by himself so often, where I think he's not as comfortable as he would be when he's playing in a too high shell and playing a little more cover two and doesn't have quite that burden on him him to be the guy at the back of the defense that's kind of your security blanket. So it's 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 a lot of things, but I think it's mostly like do you think figuring out the scheme that these players best fit into. You think it's funny that two of Ohio State's best defensive backs are from Arizona? Well, Arizona's a hotbed of, of uh football. I just was thinking about that when Denzel Burke was running it the the, the touchdown in last week. It's just like this is why the Pac twelve sucks. But even that play, like, I think people might look at that play and say, like, oh, well, Noah Vedral just threw the ball to Denzel Burke. And, like, he did, but I think he did because Ohio State was in a cover two look that it hasn't played a ton this year. And Cameron Martinez, who was playing an underneath zone where he probably wouldn't be otherwise, like, got jumped into a throwing lane and Noah Vedral hesitated. He pump faked it and he sailed the ball because he had to throw it over Cameron Martinez's head. And then he threw it too high and he threw it right to Denzel Burke. So it's like it's not just that a quarterback made a, made a dumb play and threw the ball to the wrong Yeah, field. schematics can produce that. Ohio State's defense, like, helped produce, like, their, their structure helped lead to that. And I and, think that's what you could say about what Iowa did to Maryland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's true. Yeah, because it's it's – I have not. I am writing like a deep dive on the defense and like what's changed and like with harder numbers and stuff like that. And that'll probably run next week during the bye week because I'll have more time for it. But part of it is just making life just a tad more difficult on the opposing quarterback so that what he sees before the snap is not the exact same thing that he sees after the snap, which is happening far too often against Ohio State's defense starting last year than the first two games of this year. And it's like a it's a rather simple thing of like changing the picture on the quarterback, but Ohio State's finally doing it, and I think it's paying dividends. Mm-hmm. Okay, so prediction time. Uh the last time these teams played it was seventy three to fourteen Ohio State, two thousand nineteen. The Chase Young game. Meaning the game where everyone thought that Maryland dimed out Chase Young and then Ryan Day called an onside kick when they were up by thirty. Uh that was a great day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we had an emergency I, podcast that they had some friends in town yeah uh, and one of my friends woke me up and said bro i'm not trying to help you with your job but chase young's in trouble and i think you should wake up <laughs> <laughs> shout out shout out to that friend yeah, uh, Rob Treya, shout out yeah Rob Treya, all day every day yeah. um i don't think it's going to be quite that but i think ohio state wins this one comfortably again because i do think i think that they are headed back in the right direction so my prediction is ohio state uh 42 maryland to 17 my prediction is 51 to 17 yeah. i think they're gonna get in, if it here's the thing that i think has kind of changed the temperature of this year and i didn't buy it against akron if you remember mm-hmm. but it looks like ohio state and yeah. if it looks like Ohio State, it kind of makes you feel better. And, you know, I know that there might be some check engine lights 
that could pop on here in the next few weeks when they're playing really good teams. But if Rutgers is a competent football team and Ohio State's dropping dimes on them like that, then this is the same type of 1-2 Maryland Rutgers punch that we're used to. Um, I expect Ohio State to drop a 50-burger out there. I think that these are very integral weeks for C.J. Stroud to get you know in his bag a little bit more and to you know earn some more respect. And now that we can kind of pipe down a little bit about the quarterback controversy and just let the guy cook, you know, I think he's a chance. And guys, let's let's let, Ohio State's offense should be the best in college football. Like it's all there. The line, the running back is actually done. We said he was going to do. The receivers are insanely good. There's no even their tight ends are great. There's no weakness. At a certain point, they just have to. Uh, Impose their will on their overmatched opponents. They've done that the last two weeks. They're feeling themselves. I don't see any reason why that's not going to happen again. What do you think of the total, 71? Over. I think Ohio State's going to score into the 50s, and I don't know that I'm confident enough for Ohio State to keep Maryland out of the end zone a few times, especially late in the second half when it's – I think Ohio State first half play is – I mean, the spread's probably 10.5 or something like that. That, to me, is – is a pretty solid number, but I think Ohio State's going to win this comfortably. I think Maryland will score a few touchdowns, um, but I think if Ohio State scores in the 50s, they should be good. Maryland will not have uh, Dante Demas, who got hurt against He's really Iowa, good. Who's, he's their best receiver and and one of the better receivers in the Big Ten. They still have Rakeem Jarrett, still have Sean Jones. This is the best receiver tandem that Ohio State will have seen to this point. It's the best quarterback that Ohio State will have seen to this point, but uh, I just don't trust Maryland in this situation at all to like turn it on and give Ohio State a game so I think Ohio State wins comfortably also I asked Landis before I go because I have to go the baby's crying I can hear all right this is weird man uh (laughs) me being responsible for somebody else's life is truly bizarre that's the weirdest thing about like new fatherhood it's like if I hear her cry or I'm tired and I don't feel like doing it like I don't have a choice anymore that's right there's no more snooze button but I was like, you're getting some Utz. Is it Utz or Utz? Utz. Utz. That's what I thought. Utz, pretzels, and chips. Landis says it's trash. What is... The game's home, right? So it doesn't really matter. But what is your best East Coast chip and why? Hers. Why? And uh, Probably, I think I think hers is a little... I don't know. I don't know where hers and Utz are geographically. I just remember growing up with hers. I didn't eat Utz when I was a kid. I don't know why I didn't, I didn't like the taste. I think hers is uh, has a better overall quality. The quality control at hers, I think, is better than it is at Utz. So okay. hers is the move. Hers and Utz are both in Pennsylvania, and there's mm-hmm. something called Root 11 chips. I don't know if I've ever Never had those that. before, but that's also like in that same geographical area. Then you have Mike Sells, Jay's Kettle, um, Cape Cod up north. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the Zappos or Zaps? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And then Boulders and Poor Brothers are in, like, the Southwest. Tim's Potato Chips and Kettle brand is uh, Pacific Northwest. So, listen, I've never met a potato chip that I don't like, but I really like both of those. And, Uts. like, you almost were, like, offended that I like Guts. Yeah. I, I think uh, I get it. If you like Guts, you like Guts. I'm, whatever. It's fine. It's, They're it's, all good. It's a I mean, preference. I, hers is good, too. I don't have any, I, just, I think hers is. I just think hers is better. What is the specific thing about the potato chip that you find to be better? Um, I like... I don't know if I'm going to describe this the correct way, but I almost I like a, like a thinner potato chip, like a, a thinner, crispier potato chip that 
is uh, a little heavier on the salt, I think. And I think hers accomplishes that more regularly than Utz does. It's weird to me because I liked baked reduced fat chips best because it's not as salty and it's less greasy. That's weird. I, like I know it's weird. All the salt and grease you can handle. Yeah. I like. I mean, I like them all. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying. Like, and I used to be really, really, really into flavored chips, and like now, the older I'm getting, cheese pizza and unflavored chips. Well, the palate is changing as you become yeah. a father. Oh, who knew? All right. Well, we'll let you get back to your crying baby. Uh, it was good to have you back. <laughs> we're, that we're sounded to... so insensitive. <laughs> Just go take care of that. Just go that take crying go baby. Take care of your, go take care of your child. Uh, no, we're, we're excited to have you back. I'm glad this worked out. We'll uh, we'll be back with you guys after the Ohio State Maryland game. You'll be there, right? That's the plan for you to, to be there. Um, obviously, you're raising a child, so if something happens, you can't be there. It's understandable, but we'll plan for you to be there. We'll plan to talk to you guys after the Maryland game. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you then. Thank you.